It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show, Guys Guys Radio, the place where, where men and women can be at their best. Everyone wins. We've got a great show for you today. We've got two for the price of one. Even though it's free, we've got two shows for you, basically, in wrapped in the one hour that we're going to be on the air today here at KCAA in Southern California. Why do I say two? Well, we've got uh, two guests. Um, usually we've had one guest and we do a deep dive, but I thought, let's keep things moving. Let's get more guests on the show. I think it's, it's better for everybody. And uh, then you have more opportunities to consider uh, different different perspectives, different ideas, and determine out there, hey, this is for me, or hey, it's not for me, but at least you get some more information. What I, I aim to do, my objective is to get you as much information out there, things to consider to live your best life. So today, we've got two authors, and they're very different, but they're kind of writing about the same thing uh, tangentially, and they're writing about um, love and addiction and recovery and finding your true self. So the first guest is... Uh, her name is Casey Maine. She's a first-time author. She's written a book, kind of a memoir. She's from uh, the Jacksonville area of Florida, and she's written a kind of a funny book and sad in some ways also. But throughout the, the course of the journey of her journey in the book, she kind of learns more about who she is, and she comes out living a more heart-centered life. And uh, the name of the book is I Gave Up Men for Lent. Pretty funny and uh, interesting book. So we'll get to her. And the other book is, and the other guest is Lee McCormick. Lee and a team have written a book called the Heart Reconnection Guidebook. And Lee and his uh, group, they're really um, experts in the areas of uh, addiction and recovery and all about uh, living a more heart-centered life. So that's kind of our, our theme for today. So we'll get started in a couple here. Just let me uh, go on a little mini rant. I have a uh, five-year-old. He's turning six soon, but how do you lose your coat when it's like 40 degrees out? I don't know. But somehow I picked them up at school today and uh, or after school. It was like 530. I'm like, where's your jacket? I don't know. I'm like, okay. So I gave him my jacket and we walked home. I'm like, what, what, what happened? I don't know. So that's gone. And uh, it seems like I, I look at the lost and found at the school and it's filled. Every day it's filled with stuff. I don't know what happens with these kids. They just they don't keep track of anything. They're so free. Uh, and uh, they're so in the moment that they don't get hung up on stuff like that. So I guess that's good in the way. Then I noticed, because he didn't have his jacket, I'm like, your entire back has a stain of chocolate milk. What happened there? I don't know. How do you get chocolate milk on your back? I don't know. You know, when you're a dad or a mom, you're dealing with five-year-old boys. Wow. There's a lot of different stuff that goes on there. They're all, then I'll reach into his bag, note from the nurse, scrape on the elbow, got tackled during recess. Oh, always something, but uh, so much love, so much fun. I learned so much from my son, and I never realized uh, at the time that he was born that he would become one of my, if not my greatest teacher. So it's kind of cool. So anyhow, this is Guys Guys Radio, your host, Robert Manny. We're here on KCAA every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific time. And um, we're going to get started with the show uh, just in a moment. Okay, welcome back to Guys Guys Radio. Our first guest is author, new author, with her debut novel, Casey Martin. The name of her book is I Gave Up Men for Lent. The story of a jaded, hopelessly romantic, health-conscious party girl's search for meaning. A uh, little bit about Casey. 
She spent years successfully wandering through jobs, but always trying to figure out what she wanted when she grew up, as many of us do, as her career path zigged and zagged, like all of us. Writing was always there, lurking in the background, patiently waiting its turn. At 32 years old, the patience ran out, and she didn't sit right down to write the book. It jumped out of her, perhaps the worst, best, most confusing, and most liberating time of my life. I read the book. I'm a guy. It's not really a guy's book, but it's a, it's a very um, honest book, and it really captures, I think, um, the life and the desires and the sometimes confusion and sometimes clarity of a 32, 33-year-old 30, woman. So let's welcome her to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm very good. So after going through the book, I guess my first question comes from the end, not from the beginning, and that is what did you learn about yourself um, after writing the book? Not about the writing process, but about you and who you are. Right, yeah. So the biggest thing that I learned by far is how much I had let other people's opinions or expectations for my life really kind of direct where I went and the decisions I made. And that was a tough realization for me because I've always been um, what I like to think is, you know, strong and, and independent female. But when I really reflected back on all the different decisions and stages of my life, I realized there were a lot of places where I wanted to go one way, but that maybe wasn't the norm, either kind of in my little inner circle or, you know, by society standards. And instead, I kind of stayed in the lane that was expected of me. And you think that's a, an issue that a lot of uh, people, a lot of ladies your age experience? Is it, yeah, is, not, is it more for, uh, you think it's more relative to, uh, to women of a certain age or is it uh, more of a universal thought? I think it's absolutely a universal thought because, um, you know, especially if you have close friends, close family, any kind of close knit community, you can't help but care what they think. And and you know that it's probably coming from a good place. These are people that care about you and people that know you. And so they're going to give their opinions on your life. And that's not a bad thing. So I think it's very difficult to sometimes listen to other people's advice and and see it see it in one lens and then also compare that to okay but what is it that i really want to do and i feel is right for me and if those two differ it doesn't necessarily make the other person wrong it's just maybe not the best direction for you okay um let's talk a little bit about um what the book's about my take was uh, it's a the period of lent where Absolutely. and it's about your decision to uh Take a step back from the guys for that Lent period and uh, get get a kind of a, a handle on uh, who you are, what you want, what you want to do, and uh, it's the journey of that along the way. So you want to talk to us a little bit about uh, the book itself? Yeah, absolutely. So the the structure of the book really is it's almost like a journal that chronicles that you know forty something days of Lent where I decided to give up men. And it did end up being this very self-reflective time for me where I, I, I go back and I think through all these different relationships, but also, you know, major life decisions leading up to that, where I went to college, different jobs I've taken. But what really, what started it and the reason I, you know, decided to give up men for Lent is I just, I wasn't feeling really happy in my life and I didn't necessarily have a reason to be unhappy because I had a great life, but I was 32 at the time and I was single. So I blamed that unhappiness on the fact that I was single, not necessarily men. I, I recognized 
and I, I took ownership for the fact that I, I had an issue and when it came to men, but it was just all the, the energy and the drama and the analyzing that everything that goes into dating, which I think you experience if you're male or female, you know, if you're single, and especially in today's world with all the dating apps and stuff, it's a, a lot of mental energy and it's a lot of time. And I was just feeling kind of negative about all of it. So I thought I'm going to take a break from it. And I mm -hmm. wasn't expecting to necessarily then start thinking through my entire life, but that's ultimately what happened. Cause I think I created a little bit of space when I, you know, gave up men for Lent. And because that really, it just opened, opened time and mental energy for me to put towards myself instead of men and dating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I could see from reading the book that it must have been a very cathartic experience for you. So I'm wondering, um, between the beginning of the book, and it, it seems like you you like men, you're infatuated <laughs> with the the mystery of men. Yes. And I can I can help you out with that because we're not. It's complicated. We're not worth all that thought. We're kind of like. <laughs> anyhow, that could be a separate conversation, maybe. But <laughs> but did you change your uh, opinion of men between uh, when when you started the book and that period, that forty day period of Lent, and when you finished up? Yes, and and you're right. I I I do like men. I'm not by any means anti men. Um, I think I in a lot of my prior relationships played a little bit more of the role of the victim. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was putting some of the blame of the situations that I got into on the men that I was dating. And at the end of the book, really kind of one of those big realizations was I wasn't the victim. I was the villain. So I really kind of took ownership of the fact that I put myself in all those situations. I ignored certain red flags. You know, I chose to see or not see like, you know, different things. And so it really, it's, it's ultimately always on us. But I think a lot of times it's easy to blame the other person in a relationship. And that's just not the case. Like we really do, we control our own lives, you know, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. So to take, take a little step back, what do you think, uh, what's your take Casey on the current state of, uh, dating these days? Oh, I think that it's, it, it still lives very much in this mentality that I had prior to Lent, where it's just, there's this need that's there. People feel like they need to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. And why, and I, why is that? Why is that? I, I don't know. I think maybe it's a little bit of a, a societal expectation. Um, and I know that I've gotten that a lot. And especially, you know, as you get into your early thirties, and maybe this is more if you're a female, you get a lot of questions. Oh, well, you know, are you dating somebody? Are you engaged? Are you married? And it's just right. a constant topic of conversation. <laughs> and I think, you know, you look at all the movies and just everything. It And I'm not anti-marriage or relationships by any means, but I think it's very important to get to a place of, of kind of confidence and self-awareness and self-love where you recognize that you don't need somebody else. You don't need a relationship to be happy or to be fulfilled. Yes, you can still want a relationship, but I think that's a very subtle difference between this kind of need mentality versus a you're open to open mm -hmm. to a relationship. You know, and you said something I think very poignant there, um, and that is about self-love. And uh, to be able to be in a relationship and to attract a, uh, a relationship, you really have to love yourself first because then you're in a state of love. When you're in a state of love, you attract more. I mean, kind of we are our thoughts, we are our words. And I think you nailed, you nailed it right there, Casey. So congrats on that. Um, 
like all all of us, we get tempted during uh, Lent. Uh, if we, I'm a Catholic myself, by uh, I grew up Catholic. I'm probably more spiritual now. Um, Me too. But um, you know, I I have given up things for Lent. I always found that you know trying to do something positive for Lent always you know you forget about that in about three days. But you know if you give up sweet treats or alcohol or something like that, sometimes it's tempting. And uh, by towards the end of that forty day period, you end up uh, slipping up. And um, I think very honestly, you, uh, uh, and I say this as a compliment, you were honest about it. You kind of slipped a little bit in your yeah. giving up men for Lent. So what yeah. happened there? Yeah, I, um, it, was, it was towards the end of Lent. And I really had gotten to this, this point of realizing, okay, I, I oftentimes live too much in the extremes. And I've, kind of, I've always been a little bit of an all or nothing person. I mean, clearly, you know, I gave up men for Lent. Um, and so I've always wanted to find this balance. And so towards the end of Lent, I started to see it for what it really was for me, which was really this time period of self-reflecting, kind of getting back in touch with who I really am and what I really want out of life. And so then I started to question, okay, you know, the fact that I, you know, gave up men and I also gave up hard liquor, sweets and social media, like, is that, is that really the point? Um, you know, at that point I thought, okay, the point is really much bigger, um, which I agree with to this day, but I, I would still look back and, and say that I, I failed in my Lenten promises because I think the, the important thing of, if, if you give up something for Lent or really any time period is those promises and those, those commitments you make to yourself and honoring that. And it's, it's kind of a little bit of that self-discipline but also that self-respect of I've said I'm going to do this, so I'm going to respect myself and do this. And so I didn't, um, I didn't exactly, I didn't exactly win in, in that arena. But at the time, I justified it in terms of you know I lived too much to one extreme, and you know what is the the bigger point? So, mm -hmm. I, I you know it's it was interesting to me the the male characters, the guys in the book, um, they they all seem like decent guys. I didn't see any like dirt bags or anything in there. You you have good taste and it sounds like you were attracting the right type of guys. And I think the, your issue was kind of working through your own stuff. Yes. And maybe that's why things didn't stick the way you wanted them to. There was this one guy, Shane, who uh, kind of appears and reappears. And then there was some other guys, but it seemed like the the work in, you were the work in proce progress. Yes. It wasn't that there was a problem with men. So I guess my question is, what what's the biggest challenge for w women seeking a relationship these days? I think that we we focus too much on on the men. And so I did it in terms of, you know, I would get really excited when somebody showed interest in me or, or wanted to be with me because, mm -hmm. you know, it fit that, okay, I'm, you know, I'm 30 and I'm single and I've got to get married and have the babies and do everything everybody expects of me. And so I didn't stop and think, okay, do I really want to be with this person? And then as the relationship progressed, I think that we continue to focus too much on the men. And so then a lot of times we lose ourselves in those relationships, which isn't good for your own psyche, but it's also not good for the relationship. Because if you all of a sudden start to lose certain parts of yourself that were there for the initial attraction and the initial connection, you know, we can't expect that connection to necessarily continue, but instead of kind of taking ownership of, okay, you know, I, I've lost myself in this relationship and I'm not really being me because I'm just trying to be who he wants. 
then we, mm-hmm. we, we blame it on the other person if it isn't going the way that we want things to go. And I'm just now such a believer that it's never about the other person. It's mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. about us. Right. What do you think that men um, nowadays, what do men need to know about, uh, know about women? I think that, you know, I guess kind of going back to your point in the beginning, we are very complicated and we think a lot. Um, And so that's just something I think it's a it's a difference we maybe need to recognize. And if men understand that we do overanalyze things and, you know, we we do have a tendency to want to, like, give and give and give. And it doesn't come from a bad place. And, you know, women on the flip side need to understand that sometimes men see things a little bit more simply or aren't necessarily in touch with some of those more analytical sides of themselves. I think both sides need to recognize if there's a difference there. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you have to be aware of it in order to work through it. Yeah, I think that's well, well stated. Um, so do you do you enjoy now after you've gone through the process of writing the book and uh, learning more about yourself? Do you enjoy dating? Yes. So actually, I am. I'm currently in a relationship, um, and it's it's pretty serious and it's going really well. And I I really think that that whole process of Len and everything I wrote about in the book, I would I would not be in the happy relationship that I'm in now, had I not gone through all of that. I think it was absolutely a necessary process for me to better understand myself, my patterns, and realize my life isn't going to change until I change certain things about myself. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a little my thought on uh, on on guys. Um, you know, I think guys need to do a much better job of uh, paying attention. A lot of time guys are, you know, if you have a problem, let me know. I'll see if I can fix it. And that's not really what that communication is always about. It's uh, sometimes you just need to talk to somebody and have them listen actively. And men and women, at least in our society, are wired a little bit differently nowadays. Uh, you know, if a guy has an issue, he'll bring it up and then mm-hmm. he gets your answer and then he decides if that works for him or not. He's not going to drill down all that all that deep. And I, I wish uh, women would uh, would be more aware of that and not take it as a negative. That's just kind of how, how we're wired. But I think like women, men really prefer to be in a relationship. I mean, if it's uh, guys like variety, guys are visual, sure, but you can always go deeper when you're with one partner. I think every man deep down knows that. And the, and the key, at least in my situation, Casey, I want to get your thoughts on all this stuff, is that I learned uh, after a series of short and long-term relationships and dating and all of that, and I got to the point where nobody even asked me when I was going to get married. I was single so long in New York City, and I finally realized that what I had to do was I had to make room for somebody else in my heart. And mm-hmm. once I did that, then I met the right person, and now we're married, and we have a boy who's going to turn six years old in about a month. So That's tell, awesome. tell me your take on all that stuff I said about guys. You don't have to agree. You could say you're full of beans, whatever. I'd love to no. get the lady's point of view on it. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I think these are kind of um, broad definitions that yes. we put on men and women. And, and in some cases, and for some people, they're true. And, and for others, it's not. But I think kind of what it can all boil down to is we all need to stop taking things so personally. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if, if a man is, you know, being quiet or doesn't notice the things that a woman is doing, you know, she maybe needs to recognize, okay, he's not, he's not necessarily being a jerk. Like he's maybe not doing it 
on purpose. Like it's not necessarily about me. Maybe that's just how he wired. And of course there are instances where somebody maybe is just being a jerk, but I, I think we all need to pay a little bit more attention to each other and try and understand each other, not project what we want someone else to be onto them. And then if they're not meeting that expectation, then we get all upset and think that it's not working, but instead actually try and understand ourselves understand the other person and where they're coming from and then just open communication. I mean, that is, that is just so key. And I, I was, I was missing that in a lot of, of my relationships. And I think a lot of times I, I wasn't communicating because I, you know, was afraid that it would cause an argument or then he wouldn't like me or, but that goes back to losing yourself. If I'm not being me in the relationship then the relationship is not really going to work for me because I'm not really in it. Mm -hmm. Do you think, uh, is romance dead? No, I don't think so. I think maybe it it can look a little bit different these days. You know, we don't have people sending letters, you know, cross country and, you know, during wars and stuff like it, it looks different, but I think romance ultimately is, is an intention that somebody mm-hmm. has. And so depending on the person, depending on the relationship, it can look a lot of different ways, but it's more to me, romance is a little bit more of a, of a feeling that, you know, you, you can just sense in, in an act that somebody's done and there's ne- not necessarily a definition of what that act is. Mm-hmm. No, I'm so glad you said that. Cause I, I agree with you. I just think it's a, you know, I interview a lot of dating experts and it seems like it's, it's become so business-like with the lists and it's very almost, and I, I don't say this in a negative way, like this transactional, like everybody's interviewing each other and um, everybody's just one click away from being ghosted or deleted or whatever. So some of the, you know, getting to know somebody and having those layers peeled back and the mystery and the, and the fun, dating should be a fun sport. Sometimes mm-hmm. we get so ramped up that we don't take the time to appreciate that. Like when you're in that dating stage, it, it, it can be the best time of your life. What are your thoughts on that, Casey? I, I agree. And I think that it's become so transactional because we're all very guarded for different reasons. You know, maybe we've been hurt in the past or maybe we're guarded because we think, oh my gosh, like, you know, time's ticking. I've really got to meet somebody. And so we have to be willing, like you said, to make space in your heart and to open up and to be vulnerable. And with vulnerability comes the risk of getting hurt or being embarrassed or all of that. But I don't, I don't think you're going to get to any of the really good stuff until you open yourself up for the potential of some of that bad stuff. And you just trust that the good will win out. But the more mm-hmm. we sit across from each other, like it's a business meeting, because who's really you know, who has their heart open in a business meeting? Exactly. Like that's not, Mm -hmm. it's just a completely different feel to a, to a conversation. So, um, I think, I think there's a lot of fear in today's dating world in terms of fearing being vulnerable and, and, and that then just keeps you guarded. And so then you're not able to make real connection or, or have those, um, you know, those moments of romance because you've got to shield up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Would you, uh, would you give up men again for Lent? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think I would need to. Again, I think I'm in a much healthier place in terms of how I view relationships and my role in them. So um, I, I don't think that I would give up men again. I, I think there's there's plenty of things um, 
there's plenty of other things maybe I could give up to to deepen my self-reflection. <laughs> Well, listen, I give you a lot of credit. Having written two books, gotten the, got, I got the second one published. I know how you empty your heart out. And I, I could just feel that you were, do, you know, you have the passion. And I really uh, congratulate you on doing such a great job. So tell everybody where they can find the book, where they can learn more about what's next for you. Yeah. So the book is currently available on Amazon. It's a paper book, ebook, and then the audio should be going live soon, hopefully. Um, and then my website is uh, caseymain.com, and then all my socials are there. Uh, um, if they go to my website, I send out a weekly email where I include, you know, links to interviews and and different stuff that I've got going on. So, yeah, I would love for for everyone to connect. Okay. Well, listen. First of all, I apologize because your your name on the front cover of the book is <laughs> and on the side is in script, and I had a hard time with it. But I look on the back; it's Casey Maine. It's not Casey yes. Mason. So no, no problem. Okay. That happens all the time. Actually, the name of the book is "I Gave Up Men for Lent: The Story of a Jaded, Hopelessly Romantic, Health Conscious Party Girl's Search for Meaning." And how could you not want to date a jaded, hopelessly romantic, health conscious <laughs> party girl? I mean, that's a dream. So yeah. Casey Maine, and that's the name of the book. And I think you did a great job. And thanks so much for being on Guys Guys Radio. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Special guest that I mentioned earlier in the show, his name is uh, Lee McCormick, and he's got a book. It's called The Heart Reconnection Guidebook. Let me tell you a little bit about Lee. He was born into a tribe of movers and shakers. Lee McCormick has always lived out loud, and that's the way it should be. He's the founder of the Integrative Life Center in Nashville, Tennessee, Ranch Recovery Center in Tennessee, and the Canyon Treatment Center in Malibu, California. And he's been a creative force in the mental health and recovery scene for over 20 years. He founded Spirit Recovery, Inc. to produce healing and recovery conferences and spiritual journeys around the world. Lee is also co-founder of Front Porch Partners. It's a consulting management and research development company working in the medical and behavioral health disciplines. He's authored the Spirit Recovery Meditation Journal, which assists people in reclaiming their lives, and is the co-author of Spirit Recovery Medicine Bag, with HCI Books. Lee's the executive producer and has a leading role in the documentary, Dreaming Heaven, the true story of the experiences of 18 people over five days at Teotihuacan, Mexico. He's also led many journeys to this place of power. So today he's here to talk about his new book, Heart Reconnection Guidebook, how a group of powerful friends sitting around a kitchen table created a masterpiece in heart-based healing. So welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Lee. Well, thanks, Robert. It's it's. I enjoy doing this, man. Thank you. Cool. Well, we love the book. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about how you uh, came up with the idea and uh, your co-authors and how you pulled the whole thing together, because it's a little bit of a different animal, your book, right? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a collaboration um, that came about through, we're all friends. Um, friends, colleagues, whatever you call it. Joan Borisinko and her husband, Gordon DeViren. Joan's probably written, I think, 16 books now. And, um, you know, she's, she's very well known in the, in the, uh, mental health addictions, recovery, um, consciousness, medical field. Um, she's a PhD psychologist and was also a, a, I think a cellular a cancer researcher and started the first mind body clinics years okay. ago, um, in Boston, her husband, and then Mary Faulkner, who is the principal writer, my co-writer, um, on this book, Holly cook, who is a therapist 
that I work with at our Integrative Life Center in Nashville, a man named Gary Seidler, who founded U.S. Journal Trainings, which is a, a leader in the mental health addictions conference world. Um, you know, it was just a very eclectic, creative, and experienced group of people, and we were all at an addictions conference, professionals conference, having a conversation about, you know, for all the work, for all the years um, of dedication and, and all the new modalities that we have on and on, the outcomes in the recovery work have never improved very much. Fantastic. You know, so, mm-hmm. so why is that? Like what's going on? Because mm-hmm. blaming the clients, you know, or making the disease of addiction more powerful was just not an acceptable excuse to me. Um, and Got we it. said, you know what, between us, between that group of people, there was almost 300 years experience in our various fields. Um, you know, and, and, and we, we all agreed that there's, a need for a paradigm shift in the foundation of the way we approach this work. And that's okay. what this book's about. Fantastic. Um, it's called the Heart Reconnection Guidebook. Um, this is a time where, you know, our society and culture needs to really reconnect and live a more heart-based uh, life than, than we have been living, that's for sure. Let me ask you the most obvious question. I jotted down some notes on my own and I said, you know what? What is addiction and why do some people uh, fall into uh, addiction and other people don't? You know, for instance, some people can gamble and that it's not an issue. Some people can drink and it's not an issue. And other people, they go down the rabbit hole and it's hard to get them out. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, one one immediate takeaway from that is that each of us are unique individuals. Um, Every human that's ever lived in this world was a, was a unique individual. Um, and our life experiences are, are each unique because we're each experiencing life from our point of view, from our background, you know, our life is filtered through our experiences and our beliefs as individuals. So you can have 10 people in a room, have an event happen in that room. And yes, there'll, there will be agreement, um, on particular aspects of exactly what happened, but each of those people in that room are having a unique experience, unique to them, to, to their individuality. And I think in the addictions, mental health treatment world for too long, there was this one size fits all point of view that, you know, addicts are addicts and you're not special and you're not unique. And if you're an addict, then there are, there, there are some generalized um, descriptions or definitions or roles or identities that can just be applied to addicts across the board. And it's just absolutely not true. Yes, there are some behaviors that are similar. There's some backgrounds that are similar. You know, there's physiological interactions that can be similar. And the truth is an addiction is for me, an addiction is literally simply an energetic pattern mm-hmm. that we have fallen into, you know, n- nobody has one drink or snorts one line or takes one pill mm-hmm. and they're addicted. It takes time and energy and a repetitive pattern to, to create an addictive pattern. 
Okay. Um, Can, let, let me ask you this, Lee. Do, do, with that in mind, and uh, very eloquently stated, um, do you can you uh, after you and your fellow experts and authors um, can you spot behaviors that you you can say like that person's going to have a problem? Um, you know, not really from behaviors, but I tell you what you can do. You okay. can do there. There's a there's a, a, a an interface called the ACE score, and it's adverse childhood reactions or experiences. Excuse me, mm -hmm. adverse childhood experiences. You can give a group of individuals an ACE score questionnaire, and if they all fill that questionnaire out you can pretty accurately determine the individuals based on their adverse childhood experience score. You can identify the individuals in that, in that group of people that are going to have a much higher propensity for, um, and, and issue with addictive patterns of behavior. Got it. Um, uh, with that in mind, is there, have you, uh, is there a template I, I know it's not one size fits all, but is there a basic elastic type of template that is used to treat uh, the addictive be uh, personality or addictive behavior or or ad addiction? You know, there has been in the past. Traditionally, um, it's it's more or less been based on the twelve step practices, right? Mm -hmm. And based on the principles of of AA and NA. Um, the, the, the challenge with that has been that the traditional point of view identifies and defines the individual with the addiction by and as the disease. So what you come up with is my name's Lee and I'm an addict mm -hmm. or my name's Lee and I'm an alcoholic. Well, the truth is my name's Lee. I'm a human being. And for a period of years in my life, I lived with an addiction that I had created through a pattern of behavior, not knowing any better. And I was never the addiction. I was the human being who had unknowingly created that addiction and then had to deal with the issues that arose out of living in that addictive pattern. Mm -hmm. So tradition has, has said that, you know, the, the issue defines you and that's not true. And that's where the foundation of this work I believe is going to shift away from the old traditional perspective. And you know, the truth is again, when, when Bill Wilson wrote the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, he mm -hmm. never defined, he never, he never said you must define yourself by the disease of addiction. He never, right. or alcoholism. He never mm -hmm. said that that's been extrapolated out of, um, and from experience over the years, but it undermines the unique integrity of each of us as human beings. And that is what we are from day one until the day we check out of our bodies. We're each a unique human being and we deal with all kinds of issues in this world. Right. Now, Lee, you mentioned um, that you had some, uh, your own personal challenges. Um, so I'm wondering um, a couple of things. One, did the other authors of the book also have to go through their own process of uh, overcoming addiction? And does uh, overcoming, does having the experience of having to overcome an addiction help you uh, help other people in a more effective way, in your opinion? Yeah, well, I, you know, yes, some of the co-authors in the book um, 
have been through their own, what we would call a recovery process, healing process. Okay. Okay. And some hadn't, but you know what, <laughs> dude, if, if you're human and you're born into this world these days, you're inheriting some, some kind of a mess somewhere. Because <laughs> uh, we humans are a mess at the present time. You know, and and so we have all had dysfunctional coping mechanisms and trying to deal with the challenges of life. And that's to me what an addiction is. And certainly having lived through that experience for yourself, at the least, I think you come away from it with compassion and understanding Mm -hmm. um, for the depth of the challenges that you have faced and the things that you've worked through. you know, and, and that compassion carries over into your connection and your work with other people, you know, and it also gives you the depth of awareness and the inspiration to realize that, you know what, whatever it is I'm facing, I manage to unravel it and to work my way out from under it. And we do recover, period. We do recover. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can hold light for people knowing that if they're willing to keep showing up for themselves and if they're willing you know, to accept help and sincerely step into their own life's journey, their own addressing whatever it is that's haunting them um, or sabotaging their life, that they can come out on the other side. Mm-hmm. You, you, you learn, a, you learn, a, a, I think what, one thing I learned is a really deep faith in the strength that we have within us as human beings. Um, I, I have absolute faith in in the resilience that we're capable of and the power that we have available to us to heal the issues that we've inherited in this world or that we've experienced in this world. And, you know, I I don't think you have any business working with people if you don't have faith in us. Right. Okay. Um, the book, uh, the heart connection guidebook, um, you've got a very, um, great program in there based on the, the medicine wheel that has four quadrants different stages of growth and maturity and different characteristics. It seems like that's a real foundation of this book. Could you talk to us a little bit about why, how you develop that, why it's important and how, how it helps people get uh, reconnect to the heart centered living and finding, and finding themselves too. You bet. So the reason, the reason the book is titled the heart reconnection guidebook um, is again, that out of the collective experience of all of us that are a part of this this wisdom recovery and this heart reconnection work. Um, what we've realized is that to recover the quality of our life, to recover our authenticity, to recover faith in ourselves, it really requires that we bring our awareness and our attention back to ourselves, back to the center or the seat of our soul and our being human and, and living the experience of being in these bodies and it requires that we learn how to redirect our attention back to ourselves for the sake of bringing awareness and honesty and transparency to whatever our particular story is, whatever my particular experiences were. And that's, if you approach each individual as a unique individual, then you're re- approaching them from a place of respect for the truth of who they really are, knowing that all of us have the have more than enough opportunities to go off the rails in this world and in this life from the experiences that we have here you know from the challenges the traumas the heartbreaks mm-hmm. um from from the fact that 
from birth on, for the most part in our culture, we are taught to identify by our external world accomplishments. We're taught that, you know, our value is only as good as we are, quote unquote, successful. And that for us to have value in the world, it has to be earned as though creator God did not create us with an innate value in the simple fact that that we're here. Okay. You know, um, tell us, uh, tell us about the wheel itself, um, how it works, why you kind of developed it and um, et cetera. Yeah. So what the wheel offers is a framework when you're working with people. um, It really serves us to have a framework that you can use to focus your attention on and that you can use to engage our mind because we are so mind oriented. In fact, we're mind oriented to such a degree that we really live out of balance um, with within ourselves. We weren't created to have our mind dominate our life. I believe we were created to have our heart, our soul be our guide. And our mind is like the toolbox that helps you navigate the world. But the mind's not responsible for the fulfillment of our dreams and and necessarily the choices that we make for our goals in life. That should be a heart-centered practice. Well, the medicine wheel offers an opportunity to visit and reflect on all of the different aspects of us as human beings and then different particular stages in life, whether it's it's um, infancy and, and childhood in the East or you move to the South and it's the teenage years up to maybe 25 and then you move to the West, which may be 25 or 30 to 50. And then you move to the North, which is the elder years. Um, and each stage of life, has particular aspects to it. Mm-hmm. And, and you, go ahead. Yeah, so the, the wheel offers an opportunity to give us a frame to work with, to direct our, our focus and our attention. And it also offers us the opportunity to realize that as you work your way around the wheel, you may go around the medicine wheel once every five years to just do a life review, to recapitulate where you're at, to look mm-hmm. at the basis of your choices. What are the things that I'm living today that really serve me? And what are the things I'm living today that are just a pattern or are based in old beliefs or old agreements that I no longer hold as true, but I hadn't stopped long enough to ever really question myself. So you can revisit this over and over again through the course of your life. Okay. You also, another uh, core area that's uh, very enlightening in the book is uh, the you introduce the three aspects of consciousness to the reader, and they're represented as three dimensions or worlds, the upper, the middle, and the underworld. Um, talk to us about that and how to access each one of those for healing and for heart reconnection. Okay, well, the, the three worlds context came out of my experiences and in, in several years of spending time in the Andes, um, in Peru, um, with Caro elders, with the native people of the Andes Mm -hmm. and, and their healing practices and their awareness of creation and life. And the, the three, the three worlds are, there is the underworld place, which for all of us who have ever dealt with overwhelming life issues, or you've ever dealt with real trauma or tragedy or heartbreak, you know how it feels when something tragic happens in your life 
and you feel like the rug's just been snatched out from under you. Like you wake up and you're walking around in the middle of what was your familiar life and nothing feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, like I could, I could give you an example. In 2010, we had massive floods where I live in Tennessee. Um, and I showed up at our little house on the ranch and the house had been completely underwater. Um, and man, for a, for a couple weeks after that, it was like my, the reality that had been so comfortable and familiar to me was gone. And I had to really, I was in a, in a limbo place. Well, that's the underworld place. It's that place of you've lost your attachment. You've lost your grounding point. You've lost your sense of security. You feel like you're hanging out over a void more or less. Um, and you're not really sure, you know, which end is up. So that's that place of confusion, of heartbreak, of, of tragedy, of trauma, of loss. And in that underworld place, we have the opportunity to rediscover our heart center and our resilience. And, and what I tell people is to find your way out of that darkness, it really requires that we rediscover our own light. Mm-hmm. That we rediscover faith within ourselves and the strength and resilience within ourselves that allows us to raise ourselves up again. Okay. And then you have what I call the middle world. Well, the middle world is this day to day world that we live in. It's it's the matrix. Um, right. It's funny because I think yesterday was the was the uh, um, the day that the matrix film was released. I don't know, however many years ago. Probably about 30 years ago, 20, 30, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, so it was the anniversary of the release of The Matrix. Um, and now now people are starting to get it. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I was with, with uh, Bruce Lipton listening to him talk last year, and at the end of his talk, he said, how many of you guys are familiar with the film The Matrix? And, you know, 80% of the people raised their hand. Sure. He said, yeah, a lot of people consider that to be a movie. It actually was a documentary. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so the mental world is this world that we're living in, and it's the illusion of, of, of all these relationships, all these identities, all the roles that we live, that we become so attached to. Um, it's the day-to-day familiar realm of life. So then you have the upper world, and the upper world is that realm of peace of light. You could say it's the realm of the angels and the masters. You know, we, I, I hope we've all had an experience of something beyond this day-to-day life where you, something happens and you just have an experience of yourself as pure consciousness, as pure light. Um, you have a sense that, that you're far more than you have come to believe you're far more than the way the world has defined you. And it can be a fleeting experience, you know, because we are living in these bodies and in this world. But yet, when you've had one of those, one of those spirit world, upper world experiences, it tends to, to stay with you. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like a memory. The way I frame it is it's actually a memory of the truth of what we really are once we leave this hum- this human body and leave this human realm and return to where we came from. Um, and so we have the opportunity through the course of our life to dance between all three of these realms. And in fact, we do, you know, we can move from hopelessness 
from heartbreak, from trauma, from deep loss, from being really upside down and inside out. And there's a great deal to learn about ourselves there. There's a lot of invitations to, to question, to take apart your belief system, to, to look behind the curtain of your own judgments and fears and opinions, to rediscover yourself. And then you can move back into the middle world place where you live day to day. And you can live in the world and not of the world, as as Christ is, mm-hmm. is you know, credited with with saying. And and once you have those upper world, those angelic realm experiences, you realize that there really is something more going on here. And so yeah. maybe it relieves us of the need to work so hard and struggle so hard to prove that we have value, um, you know, to this world. So we we kind of find an antidote to the matrix. Okay. Um, you know, my, this is guys, guys radio, uh, your host, Robert Manny. My special guest is one of the authors of the book, the heart reconnection guidebook, Lee McCormick. And, you know, I think it's important that our listeners realize that, you know, we talked about addiction and the book is good for that, but also it's for really for anybody who's been troubled by anxiety, depression, or just trying to find meaning, um, that they're not enough. They're not good enough. They're not pretty enough, smart enough, strong enough, whatever. Um, talk to us a little bit about that and then we'll, uh, get into where people can find you, get the book, social media, all of that stuff. Yeah, you bet. Well, you know, the book is really for anybody that's a human being who finds themselves in their life wondering what's going on here, you know, is, and, and that happens, I think to all of us at different stages in life that, you know, you can even be very successful on the world's terms. I've worked with a lot of people that were. And, and you, you just lose your sense of value. You, you lose your motivation. You wake mm-hmm. up one day and say, really, is this it? You know, is, what am I doing here? Um, I mean, we all face that in, in different, yep. in different forms and fashions. So this book is about offering the reader the opportunity to reflect on what's really true. And it gives you permission to question yourself. And it gives you permission to question all these rules and agreements and all the roles that we get so wrapped up in. It gives us the opportunity to take all that stuff apart and to look at it and to sit with what's what's really true for me today. Fantastic. So, Lee, thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio. Please tell everybody where they can find more about you, the book, etc. Yeah, you bet. You can find me through our Integrative Life Center in Nashville. Um, it's a it's a mental health addictions recovery healing program. Um, it's integrativelifecenter.com. You can also find me. I'm on Facebook. It's Lee Richard McCormick. Um, and you can find me through spiritrecovery.com. Spirit Recovery is my company that I lead journeys to the pyramids in Mexico and down to Peru. Um, the book is available at your local bookstore. And if you have a local bookstore, I'm a big advocate for, for local community and, yep. you know, local bookstores, local anything. Um, okay. You can also order the book on Amazon. Great. Well, Lee, uh, I might take you up on the, one of those trips through Mexico and Peru. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you on Guys Guys Radio and great stuff. And keep helping people, please. So thanks a lot, Robert. I appreciate it.
right. Guys, Guys Radio, we're back. We had two very different guests with kind of a similar message, all about kind of finding your true self and living your best life. You know, Casey uh, learned about herself by, I think, uh, writing her memoir about giving up men for Lent. And uh, did she have an issue with men or not? Eh, maybe, but it sounds like she made some progress there on her journey. And Lee, of course, with his team, has uh, put together a number of books and programs in different areas of the country that help people who uh, have addictions and move towards recovery. But also the messages are for anybody, as we discussed with Lee, who has depression, they're struggling to find meaning in their life, who they are, and anxiety. And I think time to time we all fall into that category. So hopefully we got some helpful information there to, to live our best lives. It's Guys Guys Radio. We're on every Wednesday evening, 8 p.m. Pacific time on KCAA, 106.5, 102.3 FM, 1050 AM. And we're also on the KCAA stream. We're on all over the internet, basically. We're on TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes. Um, you can find out more about me, your host, Robert Manny, my novel, where everything kind of began with the whole guys, guys movement, if you will. It's called The Guys, Guys, Guide to Love. It's a rom-com about advertising, two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. The Guys, Guys, Guide to Love. You can pick it up on Amazon or wherever they sell books. My website, where I was blogging for about four years before uh, uh, bringing the show, if you will, to KCAA, Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I.com. And then we have uh, over 360 podcasts uh, that we've done for Guys Guys Radio, and you can listen to them on all of the online platforms that I mentioned, as well as KCAA, uh, the, the last uh, dozen or so on KCAA. We've been here since the beginning of 2019 and hopefully for a long time to come. I love doing the show, and I'm looking forward to m moving from New York City to San Diego, so that should be coming up in a, in a month or so. So... Uh, uh, psyched about that, but so much going on. I'll keep you posted, though. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can hit me up there, and uh, we can chat or whatever. But I thank you for your support. I love doing the show. And as I always like to say, before we close, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>